It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, Philippians chapter 4. Again, we've been walking through, uh, <clears throat> at least the last several weeks, we've been looking at verse 8 specifically. And uh, we are a little over halfway. Whew, this is exciting. Uh, through the uh, verse 8. <laughs> this cracks me up. Uh, but if you have a Bible, let's read uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, uh, just so it's fresh in our mind. And I want to look at this idea of what is lovely. Oh, it's going to be good. Uh, but Philippians 4, 8, <clears throat> Paul says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Again, Paul is saying that, that you are to fill up your mind, you're to dwell upon, you're just to lavish in these things. And again, I'm, I've been saying this every single time, but just as a reminder, uh, though he's given us a list and it is creating the boundaries of what your mind is supposed to be focused on, this is not a limitation as much as it is a freedom to say, hey, whatever you want in this realm, you can just go crazy and just think about whatever you want in this. And so we've been walking through these and we've looked at what is true and what is honorable and what is right and what is pure. And this morning I want to look at this idea of whatever is lovely. Uh, I'll be honest with you, and I told some of you last night, I really struggled with this. For some reason, in my mind, I had a thought of what this was. And so my mind was starting to say, okay, this is what we could do. I could flesh this out in Daily Thunder, and, and we, can, we, could, we could be working through all this. And it's interesting, as I got into this word, it had nothing to do with what I was thinking this word was, which <laughs> was really frustrating. Uh, this particular Greek word, uh, if I can say it right, is prophiles. And not that it means anything to you. Uh, but what's interesting about the word is that it's two major Greek words shoved together. It's the Greek word pros, uh, which is a prefix that has this idea of to, towards, or with. And then it has this idea of phileo. And the reason I struggle with the passage is because I thought for sure Paul was going to use the word agape or agape. I mean, I thought for sure, in the sense of like, what is lovely, if we're going to be pondering the things that are lovely, surely it's going to be the things that are oh, godly. Uh, it's the things, it's, it's that God love kind of stuff. It's that unconditional kind of stuff. And that's not this idea. And so, uh, let me drag you into my problem. Uh, by the way, what I found though is so beautiful. I've just been, I've literally been using this word, Lord, you are so lovely. This is such a phenomenal idea. Uh, again, the word pros, to, towards, or with, right, has this idea of a movement, has this idea of direction. And then phileo is another word for love, uh, but it's often this idea of friendship kind of love, right? In Greek, there's four different words for the word love. And we have eros, which is like the sensual or the marriage kind of love. It's the, the physical kind of love. It's the uh, sensual, that, that kind of love. We have storhe, which is uh, kind of the idea of family kind of love. Uh, it's that intimate kind of family love. We have agape, which is what we often translate as like the God love or the unconditional love. 
where you can't earn it, you can't get rid of it. It's just, it's there. God loves us with that unconditional, relentless, just, it, it's an aggressive kind of a love. And then there's the word phileo, which was often used in the classical Greek sense for like, oh yeah, I like those things. Uh, for example, it's used uh, in the Old Testament for things like food. Amen. I like food. Uh, it's used for things like sleep. Oh. I like sleep. Uh, it was used for wisdom. Oh, I do like wisdom. It was used for wine. Uh, so it's, it's, used, it's used in those kind of senses. <clears throat> and uh, it's, again, it's, it's, it's this idea of that which brings pleasure. And as, as you see the word, it began to have this association with relationships and friendships. And for example, uh, imagine like your closest friend. Why are they your closest friend? Isn't it just because for whatever reason, you just like them? Isn't that true? That is, you typically have similar things that you guys like. Uh, you have similar kind of thought processes typically. Or, or maybe you're one of those people who really love pushback and you really love people to argue with you and you really love that, that contention. Some of you are like, that's, that's not me. But you know who you are. Some, some of you... Some of you really love people to press on you, and so you, you, some of your best friends are the people who push on you the most. But that brings you delight. That's this idea, this phileo kind of thing. It's just, it's, it's friendship stuff. It's just, that what brings pleasure. So let me give you some definitions. Uh, <clears throat> by the way, this word that we have in our passage, lovely, uh, is, this is the only time it, show, it shows up in the New Testament, which is really fascinating to me. But again, it's this idea of moving toward phileo. That's the, that's the idea. It's this movement, this to, towards, or with phileo. And again, the word phileo is all over the place, but this word itself, it only shows up here. But here's some definitions. Lovely, amiable, causing pleasure or delight, pleasing, agreeable, winsome. Uh, it's referring to things that attract, things that, uh, that please. It's to win other people's admiration, uh, ad admiration and affection. It's that which calls forth love or is love inspiring. Uh, again, it has this idea of leading toward love, this idea of phileo. Uh, it's this idea of bringing forth delight. Uh, and sometimes it's understood as an affection based on personal attachment. Uh, again, it goes, goes to that idea of that which brings pleasure and joy. Now, I really wrestled with this because as I come to the passage, I'm convinced and you can do whatever you want with this, I'm convinced that every single one of these things point to Jesus. Because what is your mind supposed to dwell upon? Jesus and his word. And so I began to wrestle because, hey, if it, made, if it was agape, totally makes sense to me. Why? Because God is agape. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 and 16. So it makes sense to me if Paul says, yes, think, about, think upon the things that are just love. Hey, the, the things that just, you know, is, is full of Jesus right? The, the whole idea of agape is not self-centered, it's outward focused. I, I, lo I love what Troy said at the guy's time uh, when we were up in the mountains. He said, the opposite of love is not hate. He said, the opposite of love is pride. And I was like, that is brilliant. So I wrote that one down. That was good. And one day I'm going to steal it. That was good. <clears throat> Why? Because agape is... is 
Agape is not self-centered. It's not prideful. It's pouring your life out. So, hey, I, I w- it made so much sense to me. If Paul says, hey, think about whatever you want if it's agape. So just, hey, turn outward, pour your life out. Hey, just go crazy with the people around you. Hey, just, just ponder Jesus. Just, just go crazy. But the fact that the word, this idea, is moving toward phileo, what do you do with that? So let me give you three ideas. The first one is going to sound almost ironic because I just set this up differently, but this is still true. Do you know what is lovely? Jesus. <laughs> and his word. Do you, how many, do you know how many times that shows up in Scripture? This idea that where he is and his presence and his person is lovely. For example, Psalm 84, verse 1. Psalm 84, verse 1 says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. See, where he is, that is a place of lovely. It's the place of delight. It's the place of pleasure. It's the place of joy. In fact, Psalm 16, verse 11, right? That in his presence is the fullness of joy. At his right hand is pleasures forevermore. So do you, you want to know where you find the love? You find it in Jesus. You find all that is lovely and good and, and true. You find all the stuff that are, is pleasurable in Jesus. And, and our world is looking for pleasure in a thousand different places, but true joy and true pleasure is found in Jesus. Uh, Psalm 19, Psalm, sorry, Psalm 119, right? Psalm 119 is all about the word of God. And it is fascinating, 11 times, the word love or lovely shows up. Oh, I just, I take delight in your word. By the way, the word delight shows up 21 times. Sorry, nine times. That's not right. Oh, I got my numbers right. So 11 times the word love shows up, nine times the word delight shows up. Speaking about the word. It has this idea, man, I just take pleasure in your word. I just take delight in your word. I just, I get excited. I wake up early in the morning to spend time in your word. Why? Because oh, I find pleasure in it. Which is a good question for us, isn't it? Do, do we actually get excited? Uh, or, or as Psalm 19 says, right? David says, oh, your word is like better than refined gold. In fact, it is better than honey in the honeycomb. Or as I would translate it, it's better than lint dark chocolate balls that explode in your mouth. Right? It's, it's that chocolate gooey goodness. Is that true in your life with this book? Have you actually seen that he is the one who is lovely? Uh, the whole, the, the reason I had the number 20 in my head, when you go into the book of Song of Solomon, Song of Solomon is right, is this love story between this groom and a bride. And we know it's between Solomon and, and his bride, the Shulamite or Salima. And again, the Jews would say that, or the rabbis would say, that the whole book, Song of Solomon, is between God and his bride Israel. And we know that the full reality of that is actually between Jesus, right, God, and his bride, the church. And it's interesting, 20 times in that book, this idea of lovely shows up. Uh, The bride, Salima, or the Shulamite, looks at the groom and goes, oh, you are lovely. Then the groom looks at the bride and goes, oh, you are lovely. What are they doing? They're finding pleasure and delight in each other. 
Is that true with your relationship with Jesus? Uh, let me just give you a couple of verses from Song of Solomon. If you're under 30, close your ears. Uh, just kidding. Uh, Song of Solomon 1.7. The bride, uh, the woman is speaking. She says, tell me, you who my soul loves, where do you pasture your flock? It's like this cry of the woman saying, oh, I, you are so lovely. Where are you at so I can be with you? Why? She takes delight and pleasure in him. Uh, he responds in, in Solomon 7, 6, Song of Solomon 7, 6. He's speaking about her and he says, how beautiful and delightful you are, my love, with all your delights. Did you just hear this? It's just, it's, oh, I'm just overwhelmed. You are so delightful. You are so lovely. You are so, woo, you're just, man, I just, I find such joy and pleasure in you. Uh, the bride speaking about what the groom is doing in uh, chapter two, verse four, she says, oh, you brought me to the banqueting hall and you spread this banner over me and the banner says, love. See, this whole thing is about this delight and joy and pleasure. And so when Paul says, hey, you can think about whatever is lovely, do you realize the ultimate expression of what is lovely is Jesus and his word? And again, that's still true on every single one of these. He is what is true. He's honorable. He's right. He's pure. He's lovely. He's commendable. He's praiseworthy. He's so, I mean, this just follows through. Why? Because Jesus should be our primary thought. That, that he, he should be the delight of our soul. He should be just the, the turn on in our life. He should just be the focus of our very being. Isn't that awesome? That's beautiful to me. He is lovely. He's just, oh, this is good kind of stuff. Another idea, though, associated with this idea of lovely is contained in that word phileo, because, hey, it's this word, right, to, towards, or with, phileo. The word phileo often is associated with this idea of relationship, uh, friendship kind of stuff. Do you know what is lovely? Relationships. Friendships. Now, for introverted people, that's hard to hear. Because, hey, if you're, if you're a high introvert, uh, what is really lovely is, you know, buying a thousand acres in the middle of Texas, you know, putting up a thousand foot fence, electric, you know, electric, electric fence, you know, buy a thousand pit bulls and then have a cabin right in the middle and someone can parachute your supplies down to you, right? And that just sounds lovely, doesn't it? If you're a high introvert and you extroverts in there like, I, I see your faces. There are a few of you who are just like, oh, that's an option. It's an option. And some of you are like, that sounds miserable. <clears throat> so even if you're an introvert, biblically, relationships are lovely. That's true, folks. Do you realize that one of the few things that will endure for eternity is relationships? We can't take things with us, folks. We get to take our character we get to take our intimacy with Jesus. We get to take relationships. And you realize the relationships that we are building this side of eternity are going to endure. And if you don't like people now, don't go to heaven. Because we're going to be stuck with each other for a while. 
And so, hey, if you don't like me or my teaching style, <laughs> just don't go. I mean, it just might be easier. I'm totally kidding, just for clarity's sake. <clears throat> but you realize that for eternity, we are going to have relationships. And that these things are going to deepen, and these are going to expand, and they're going to get better. And uh, About a decade ago, I was reading some business book, and it had this little statement, and I thought it was really interesting. And the idea was basically, and it wasn't really coming from an eternal perspective, but but the idea was basically in terms of like how do you direct your life and how do you begin to, you know, begin to take steps forward and, and plan your life. One of the areas that they said is you need to start thinking about is your relationships. And they said, have you ever thought about writing your own eulogy now? Right? You know what a eulogy is, right? You, you go to a funeral and everyone stands up and finally starts saying all the nice things about you. Because <laughs> we wait till you're dead before we do that. <clears throat> And they said, wouldn't it be interesting if you could write your own eulogy now for how you want people to talk about you then when you die? And so take, take your key relationships. So if you're married, your spouse, or if you're not married, your future spouse, uh, your kids or your future kids, uh, your close friends, your community at church, right? The people you work with, your, your, and just break up your little groups and just write a little paragraph of what do I want my spouse or my future spouse to say about me when I'm dead? How did I live? How did I treat them? How did I respond? What, what would I want my kids to say about me when I was gone? What, what, I want, what do I want my close friends to say about me? What do I want the people I work with to say about me? What, and it's not a self-centered thing, just for clarity's sake. The reason you do it is so that you can start pondering, all right, if that's what I want them to say, what, what does God need to do in my life now to make me like that. But wouldn't it be fascinating if you started to focus on and think about and fill your life up with the things that are eternal, like relationships? And Paul says, hey, whatever is lovely, ponder those things. So start moving toward the phileo stuff. Fill your life up with the phileo stuff. So what's the phileo stuff? What if you would say, you know what? I'm going to be intentional and invest my time in the people around me that I'm going to be intentional with my family. I'm going to be intentional with my friends. I'm going to be intentional about building new friends. I'm going to be intentional when people have requests. I'm going to be intentional with people that are totally different from me, but I, I want, hey, I'm going to pour into them and get to know them and just, and not, not befriend them to win them to Jesus. I'm going to befriend them and be Jesus to them. Does that make any sense? And what if you spent some of your time on the relationship stuff? That's actually good and godly. And God delights in friendships. God delights in relationships. You realize what we have with him is a friendship and a relationship. I love, I, love, I love this idea. Do you realize that Jesus had friends? I mean, he's the one who is love. So yeah, he agapes the world. But then he had these friends. He had close friends. Like in the 12 disciples, you, you realize there's thousands of people who followed him. Right? You, you can even see that on like the feeding of the 5,000. There's all these people just following him. But then there's like this 120 group that were like really serious. But then of those, there's like the 12 that were chosen. But even amongst the 12, there was like the three, right? Peter, James, and John that were even closer than the 12. But even of the three, there was one. 
who called himself the one who was loved, which was John. Uh, Jesus, one of Jesus' favorite places in Scripture was a little town on the backside of the Mount of Olives called Bethany. And at Bethany, there was this family who lived there, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. And every time Jesus was in town, he always stopped because Martha had great cooking. Okay? And they just became friends. And it's interesting, when Lazarus died, Jesus wept, which I love that because it shows emotion. But then, listen to this, the very next verse, John eleven thirty six, the Jews who saw Jesus weeping over Lazarus said this, see how he just filleted him? Isn't that neat? How, what was Jesus' relationship with Lazarus? They were tight. Hey, they were like best friends. They just hung out. They just, they enjoyed each other. They had a relationship. They had friendship. Uh, John chapter 20, speaking, uh, this is uh, Jesus has just resurrected. Mary Magdalene is done at the tomb. And it says that, uh, this is John 20, verse 1 and 2. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already removed from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, Phileod. John doesn't even use his name. He's like, I was the loved one. I mean, could, could you imagine having that? Not only with Jesus, but with the people around you. Uh, listen to what Jesus says in John 15. He's in the upper room, and he's speaking about you, speaking, speaking to the disciples. And he says, Greater love has no man than this, that a person would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, says Jesus, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what the master is doing. I have called you friend, because all things that I've heard from my father I have made known to you. He says, do you know what you are with me? Oh, we're tight. We're in this phileo thing. Jesus had friends, folks. Wouldn't it be neat if you, you moved toward and filled your life up with the things that are eternal, like friendships. And you looked at the people around you, even, though, even those roommates that drive you crazy, and said, you know what? I'm going to have to live with them for eternity. And maybe God will put them on the other side of, you know, of eternity, but, or on the other side of heaven. But uh, we're going to have to visit once in a while. So why don't you start, why don't you start being hospitable now? Why, why don't we just start filling our lives up and pondering, hey, how can I serve and and, and how can I pour into, and, and, and how can I enrich the relationships in my life? How, how can I serve my family? How, how can I serve my friends? How can I serve my church? How can I just, how can I have a life that is just pouring out and just being hospitable and loving to the people around me? You know that one neighbor that just drives everyone crazy? What would it look like if you just went out of the way to say, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna fill my life up with creative ways to drive them crazy with love? And you just started serving them and loving on them. And do you realize if we actually loved the world like that, it wouldn't take long before they became Christians. That's what, the, that, that's what turned the early church upside down, folks, is you have all these people who were not inward focused. They were outward focused. They were just serving and loving and speaking truth. And in so doing, the world is desperate for that kind of stuff. So, hey, think about whatever is lovely. Jesus and his word. 
relationships. And third, this just cracks me up. I don't know what term you want to use. I'm just calling it the delights. And surely there's a better term. That word phileo again has this idea of uh, that which brings pleasure or delight. Again, it has this idea of that which calls forth love or is pleasing. Uh, it's that idea that it's an affection idea. Uh, again, it's this idea of uh, pleasure and joy. It's that which just tickles your heart. And again, that word is, is used for people. That's true. It's also used for things. For example, food, sleep, wisdom, wine. I'm not saying those should be on your list, but hey, and biblically that word is used for those things, sometimes in the positive and sometimes in the negative. But you realize things that are pleasurable is not bad. I think we have a tendency as Christians, and I, I notice this in my life, that <clears throat> when we talk about things, uh, we tend to over-spiritualize the good and the godly. And everything else is just kind of like, eh. Do you realize actually that's not true biblically? That God has given us incredible things to enjoy. You actually see that in Genesis. When you read through the Genesis account, God creates and he looks at what he creates. And in Hebrew, it's the word tov. Uh, in Greek, it, just, it's just, it means good. But it's like he, he looks at what he made and goes, oh, oh, that just brings me delight. That just tickles me. Well, look at that. That's a tree. I came up with that. And he just, he looks at it and he sees it as good. He made you and he laughed. I can't prove that, but, but I look at you and I laugh, so it makes sense. Uh, do you realize that when God was creating things, he just, he took delight and pleasure in that which he created. Uh, your flesh is not evil, folks. He made this and he called this good. He created nature and he says, wow, look at that. That's so good. It just brings delight and pleasure. Wouldn't it be fascinating if one of the things that you can just go crazy and think about all, whatever you want is the things that just tickle your heart and bring delight and pleasure? That this isn't a, don't think about anything but Jesus. So I can never think about the weather? No, we can't talk about the weather. We can't talk about anything but Jesus. And I think in the church, we tend to, we, the way we use our language seems to emphasize that. I'm guilty of that. I, Jesus should be our only thought. That is true. But Nathan, you were, you were thinking about food this morning. Yes, I was. That's not Jesus. Yeah, I know. Do you see the struggle? And, and if, if we make only the, what we quote, spirit, everything's spiritual, folks. You are a spiritual person. Everything you do is spirit. Everything's worship. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for God's glory. And pleasure isn't bad. The enemy has taken pleasure and twisted it and perverted it and caused destruction. But pleasure itself, God created pleasure. Hello? For example, God created sex. Sorry, I know I just said that word. But what has the enemy done? Twisted it, perverted it. 
But the fact that it's enjoyable is not a bad thing. God made it that way. Food could have been horrible. It could have just been broccoli and cauliflower and sardines. And we would have been, thank you, Lord, for this meal. Oh, Lord. (laughs) But he didn't just make broccoli and cauliflower and sardines. If you want to eat that stuff, whatever. But he also made chocolate. He made bread. He made gluten-free bread. But, uh, <laughs> but for you people who need an option there, there's an option, right? He invented, he invented coconuts. He invented sugar. I know I'm leaning one direction on all this stuff. Right? He made, he made things pleasurable for us. You realize that uh, when, uh, when certain people have certain hobbies, it just brings life. Uh, when Eric Little used to run, he says, hey, the reason I run is because when I am running and, and I'm all out in the sprint, I, I feel God's pleasure in that. Hey, when I go play a game of disc golf, oh, that is lovely. It is, it brings delight and it brings joy and it's just fun to me. Now, what you may like may not be what brings joy and delight in my life. I don't like sewing. And if you're like, ooh, I'm not a huge shopper. I don't necessarily like to go shopping. Uh, I don't like pulling weeds, (laughs) you know? But if you're like, ooh, I love weeds, you know? Because every time I yank one out, I think of the curse. I'm like, no, in the name of Jesus. No, in the name of Jesus. Hey, if that brings you joy, do you realize that what Paul is giving you permission for in this idea of thinking about whatever is lovely is whatever just excites you, whatever just brings delight, whatever is just pleasurable in your, in your life, think about it. And I know that sounds almost unspiritual. Shouldn't I only be thinking about Jesus? Yes. But do you realize that for Eric Little to run and think about running in the midst of his running, and he feels the pleasure of God in his running, he should think about running. Is it okay for me to think about disc golf? Yes! Uh, we often call those awkward things like guilty pleasures, you know? And it's probably bad language, especially in this context. But you know, there's those, those, those things that, you know, when people find out about them, they're like, really? You're one of those people? Like, there, there, there are... There's certain things that just, oh, I just love to know in. Musicals. I, I don't know what it is. I love the music. I love the, I love the tone. I love the harmonies. I just, I love, I love musicals. And so if I get opportunity, I'm going to go see musicals. Well, isn't that a distraction? It depends what musicals I go to. But most musicals, I leave and I'm just like, man, I love Jesus. This is so fun. I just laugh. And I just, it brings great delight and pleasure. I love rodeos. And I know that's weird, but there is something about the sights and the smells and the, the sounds and the man versus beast, and I just, oh, I love it. And so I'll go, and I'll get my Australian cowboy hat, and I'll go to the, go to the rodeo, and it's like the only time I wear a hat, because I'm at a rodeo. And I'll sit there, and I eat my gummy bears, because for whatever reason, that's now tradition. And, and I have my gummy bears, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, and I'm just, I'm fully invested, and I love, I love a good rodeo. 
and I'm not obsessed with it, but hey, I'll go three, four times a year when it's in town. I love sharks. I'm a shark fanatic. I love sharks. Shark week for me is like, whoo! By the way, we're almost there. I mean, I love shark week. Why? There is just something about sharks that are just so fascinating and all the different kinds of sharks. And I love great white sharks. And one day I want to go to South Africa and see the great whites jump. I'm so, I so want to see that in person. I want to go down to Australia and actually swim with great whites, probably in a cage, probably, you know, but I just, I love, I love sharks. I, there's just, and that is weird in my head. I'm like, why do I like them? I don't know, but I see one. I'm like, oh, it just brings delight. And according to Paul, I can think about that. I really love food. Uh, my mom used to laugh. Uh, in fact, we were talking I don't know, a couple months ago. She goes, remember when you, were, when you had your first job, you're at the bookstore? And th- this is before cell phones. So this is like, like forever ago. Like, you know, 20 years. And I'd be at the bookstore, and almost every time I was working there, and I didn't realize I did this, but she told me, I'm like, that is funny. I did do this all the time. I would always call home. I'm like, Mom, what's for dinner? And she would say whatever. I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. And I, th- I love calling because then I could think about it the rest of the night. <laughs> right, I'm going to get home, and we're going to have poppy seed chicken. Or, oh, we're going to get home, and we're going to have, you know, meatloaf and mashed potatoes. Oh, when I get home, I'm going to. And I delight in food, probably to a very unhealthy place. But. But I, I do. I love, I love making food. I love the taste of food. I just, there's something delightful about food in my life. And Paul says, hey, if it brings delight and joy, you can think about it. Here's a warning. You realize anything outside of Jesus, though you're allowed to think of it, if it brings joy and delight, two warnings. One, it still has to fit the criteria of the rest of this list. Because, hey, sin brings me delight. But you can't think about that stuff. That's not on the list. Because that's not true. That's not pure. That's not right. That's not honorable. That makes sense? So just because it brings delight and pleasure doesn't mean you can think about it. Because, hey, even though sin does that kind of stuff, it still doesn't fit that list. But as long as it fits the list, you can think about it. So, hey, if sowing gets you excited, think about sowing. If eating gummy bears gets you excited, think about eating gummy bears. If going down water slides or or going on to theme parks gets you excited, you can think about it. But here's the other warning. Anything outside of Jesus that becomes the focus is called an idol. And so though you're allowed to think about whatever is delightful and whatever brings pleasure, it can't become an idol. And let me give you one example from Scripture and we'll close. It's interesting to me that when you look at this idea of food associated with the idea of phileo in Scripture, it's used in both senses, good and bad. For example, in Genesis chapter 27, verse 4, Esau uh, comes over to his dad Isaac, and Isaac looks at his son Esau, and he says, Oh, son, go out and go out hunting, grab that food that I love, and make it just for me. And in the Greek translation, he uses the word phileo. And it's actually used in a very positive sense. Isaac delights in that particular food that Esau makes. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you turn over to Hosea chapter 3, verse 1, it's interesting. Food is still the focus, but it's in the, it's in the negative. And God says, 
uh, or Hosea is writing that God loves agapes, the sons of Israel, though they turn to other gods and phileos, raisin cakes. Do you know what they were obsessed with? Raising cakes, which I know really excites you. Raising cakes for them would be like donuts or pastries. It it was like one of the sweetest delicacies uh, that they had. It was often used in association with sacrificing to the gods is what the scholars uh, tell us. And do you know what God says? He goes, I love my people, but do you know what my people are doing? They're turning toward idols, these worthless gods, and they're just indulging in raising cakes that they have such a fixation and an indulgence and an idolatry of raisin cakes. That's their love. So isn't it interesting? Food can be good or it could be bad. Music can be good, it can be bad. Sewing could be good, it could be bad. Rodeos are only good. <laughs> they could be bad. Musicals, movies. You understand, there are good ones that do not draw your attention away from Jesus. There are ones you should not watch. There's music you should listen to. There's music you shouldn't listen to. Hey, I can like sharks, and I can be delighted in sharks, and I can watch the documentaries on the sharks, but they could become an obsession. And the moment they become the fixation or the love of my life is called an idol, and I'm now practicing idolatry. So listen to what Paul says. He says, hey, whatever just brings delight, whatever just brings joy, whatever just delights you to no end, you can think about it. As long as it doesn't take the first primary place of Jesus. As long as it's not sin, as long as it it fits this list, you can think about it. Do you know what freedom is in that verse? You can have a hobby. That's okay. You can take a nap. And make an investment in your life. That's okay. If you like hunting, like hunting. If you don't like hunting, don't like hunting. Are you getting this? If if you have a music heart, go crazy with music. If you like rodeos, go to one once in a while. You just can't let it become the first thing. Think about whatever is lovely. Jesus, his word, relationships, whatever just brings pleasure and joy in your life. That's okay. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for making things that are full of joy. Lord, thank you for creation that just brings such delight. That a sunset can just cause us to go, wow, that's lovely. That that when we see this majestic mountain or, or oceanscape, we can just go, wow, that's just delightful. And we can take our delight and pleasure in those things. Lord, thank you that you've given us the ability to find joy in, in hobbies and just things of fun and just sharks. Lord, thank you that relationships can be lovely. And Lord, while we delight in all those things and though we take pleasure in all those things, and and Lord, I do pray that, as Paul would say, that we would think upon and we'd fill up our lives with those kind of things. 
Lord, would you put a guard around our hearts and our minds where none of those things become idols? That we don't become so fixated on the things that we love to the point where we actually prefer those over you. Lord, it's not wrong to watch a movie, but when I turn to the movie rather than you for rest and refreshment, it's become an idol. That, that when I would rather spend time at my hobby rather than spending time with you, that, that's a problem. But Lord, thank you, for the, thank you for the pleasure and the joy. That, thank you that food tastes great. Thank you that laughter is so enjoyable. But Lord, ultimately we want to think about that which is lovely, which is you. And so Lord, while we can think about all these other things and it's not bad and and Lord, I want to take delight in thinking on those things. Lord, I'll ultimately, I want, to, I, want all those things to, I want all those things to press me unto you. Lord, I want to ponder you. I want to delight in you and your word. And, and may the most lovely thing in my life be your presence. May the most lovely thing in my life, the thing that I take most delight and most pleasure in, is you and your word. So Lord, it's not that I have to throw off the other stuff, but oh, Lord, would you be the primary? Would you be the, the centrality of my life? Would you be the big focus of my soul? And may all the other smaller pleasures, all the little delights that we get to experience in life, whether it's food or sewing or sharks, ultimately, would you have those press us unto you? Lord, we want to delight in you today. We want to take our pleasure in you today. And so, Lord, we, we, want, to, we want to sing. We want to worship you today. We want to just turn our gaze heavenward and just declare how lovely you are. And so, Lord, accept our worship. Oh, we love you, and thank you for loving us. Let's give you the praise and the glory in your precious, powerful name. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.